0: Last Saturday, Amy and I were looking for something to do, and we heard Emmylou Harris was putting on an event down on 16th Street here in Nashville. And uh, we show up, and it's Emmylou Harris, Buddy Miller, Mary Gaucher, Sam Bush, Rodney Crowell, and a whole lot of other folks just playing live for you. They're set up on the sidewalk in the middle of the day, and it felt like being at somebody's backyard party. It's a real small, intimate event. The reason for this shindig was Emmylou Harris started a an organization, it's a non-profit organization called Bonaparte's Retreat, and they rescue dogs who are deemed unadoptable from the Nashville Humane Society or from Nashville Animal Control. These dogs have nowhere else to go, so you know her and the folks who work with her take them in, and they were out there playing that day to try to raise a little bit of awareness so that folks might adopt some of these dogs or maybe chip in a little bit of money to help out. But if you'd like to help out or chip in, a little bit of money maybe, or just uh, see what they're up to, just go to bonapartesretreat.org. They're good people doing good work, and they deserve our support. Hi friends, this is Otis Gibbs and you're listening to Thanks for Giving a Damn. I'm sitting here in my living room in East Nashville, Tennessee, and I got my dog Russell curled up right next to me trying to keep me warm. This is a personal journal. This is a bit of an experiment. I like to say right up front that I haven't the slightest idea what I'm doing, but I decided to do it anyway. And this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter. There's the creative individual and the person experiencing it. And this is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever. My guest this week is Jimmy LaFave. Jimmy is a singer-songwriter based out of Austin, Texas, and he's been a cornerstone of the Texas and Oklahoma music community for quite some time now. He tours all over the world, and I've run into Jimmy in some of the strangest places, but I've always really enjoyed seeing him and having a chat. And uh, he's turned me on to quite a few good taco joints there in South Austin also. But you can find out everything you need to know about Jimmy at JimmyLefave.com. We met up this time at Cedar Creek Recording down in South Austin. It's a beautiful, beautiful studio, beautiful place, and uh, we had a really nice chat. Here's Jimmy Lefave.
1: It's kind of east of Dallas, kind of east Texas vibe, you know, and uh, it's uh, and Van Zandt County of all counties. I was born in that's that is the county named after Towns' family. You know, the Van Zandts were a very prominent family, even in Fort Worth. You know, there's uh, uh, so um, and uh, you know, years later, you know, I'm really into Dylan. I know she has that song, um, Crash on the Levee. One of the lines is, is You can train on down to Williams Point. You can shine your shoes. And I'm thinking, that's, it must be a Williams Point, Wisconsin, or something, I guess. But I thought, oh, Wills, that's pretty close to Wills Point, Williams Point, Wills, Williams. But uh, yeah, so kind of got Anzac County. Wills Point's about 30 miles show east of Dallas on old Highway 80 that used to kind of run. That was the main east west US highway before the interstate system, right there on old Highway 80.
0: You guys have a truck stop or anything?
1: Well, it's too small of a town for a truck stop. It's more like a little cotton farm in town. My grandfather, you know, was a cotton farmer there and stuff. But uh, uh, I recently went back there about a year or so ago and just took some videos so I could show my kid where I'm from and brought back a lot of instant memories. But I I don't really have any family there anymore. So, no, but there's a really cool old theater there called the Majestic, which. uh, was where I first saw my first picture show. I guess you you know, moving picture show, and uh, uh, it's kind of the, was the longest continuously operating by one family motion picture, you know, place in America. And then it, I think, finally last year he finally had to shut the doors. He just couldn't compete because you know Dallas, thirty miles, is kind of encroaching and with the multiplexes and all. But it's, but he wanted to do music. And the, the last correspondence I had was from some people saying we think this would be a great place. You know, you know, the kind of gigs we do, a lot of old theaters. I said, yeah, it'd be perfect. But, you know, it's something we talked about earlier. You know, you have these well-meaning people that want to get something off the ground, but I don't have time to explain to them how to do a house concert or renovate an old theater. You know, (laughs) but that's that's the story of those. Yeah, yeah. I think pretty much anyone who grew up around the Dallas area, you know, you watch Saturday Night Wrestling on Channel 11. Uh, I mean, and then after that, the roller derby came on. That was kind of the double whammy for the night. And I actually got more into the roller derby than the wrestling when I was, you know, uh, Joni Easton and the Bay, the San Francisco Bay Area Bombers, you know. Because, you know, that roller derby is akin to – professional wrestling. It was all kind of staged. They knew it was going to win. And really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just like. <laughs> but I, I really dug the roller derby back then. You know, and, and that's kind of made a comeback, too, as far as all this vintage stuff, like burlesque and all. You know, roller derbies, these roller girl things, and which I think kind of started here in Austin again. they' it was one of the first group of girls that started that whole, you know, Hot Rod Hussies and all those names. And then it spread around. Of course, they do a lot more of the flat track here, where, you know, the real roller back then, they had the bank, the bank tracks, which is a whole different art form to skate, you know, like that. But the Von Erics, yeah, I mean, they're, you know, it's kind of a tragic family story, but everyone, I, don't, I don't, can't think of anyone in Texas that.
0: And they were you know, gods, weren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's Von Eric, Iron Claw. Yeah, man. The Sportatorium, uh, I used my dad used to take me there to see uh, music too, you know, where the, there's the wrestling venue, the Sportatorium in Dallas and, uh, down there on industrial boulevard. And uh, I saw Johnny Cash there. I remember. And, uh, was, what year was that? That'd be like in the sixties, you know, you know, I was pretty small, you know, you know, yeah, it's probably like the fourth, fifth, sixth, you know, that type of area of my life. But, uh. Yeah, but the Sportatorium, sadly, is torn down. I remember him doing Ring of Fire, and he actually had the horn players, you know, the three horn players doing the do 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 you know. Yeah. yeah. It was just an old barn-type, tin building-looking old, you know, ring. it wasn't any fancy place, you know. Uh, that uh, that part of Dallas is still inter- interesting. It's, it's kind of making a comeback. There's a the big Sears and Roebuck. Distribution center for the Southwest was there. It was a huge building at the time, like you know, like the Pentagon. It's just this huge warehouse that went on and on, and it's being turned into lofts. And that, you know, there's a even a Gillies I think down there now. The you know Gillies nightclub. They're trying to make it, but the, sadly they tore the sportatorium now, which is sad. At all it there, there's a, a state the State Fair Arena. Uh, kind of it's. I'm sure it's still in the state fairgrounds there. It was a, another big venue at the time. I went and seen the roller derby there. That's also where the Dallas Blackhawks played in the Central Hockey League. I'd go get my dad to take me to see the you know, ice hockey in Dallas and that, 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 those times in the 70s and all. was It's pretty bizarre, you know. But, the, but they were the farm team for the Chicago Blackhawks, of course. You know.
0: Did you believe the roller derby was real when you were a kid? I think
1: so. I didn't, you know, figure it out later it was but there was one one uh, team called the Texas Outlaws. But then I figured out, you know, they really weren't based in cities. You know, they, they had the uh, Bay Area Bombers, which were always on, the Los Angeles Thunderbirds, and there was a, the Northeast Cardinals, I think. So, but they were all kind of like, you know, the like the wrestling thing, a pool of people, and they kind of, you know, I thought, well, we're the Texas, you know. They, <laughs> so uh, I'd always get excited when I might see somebody new, you know, like, because usually it was always the Bay Area bombers against the... Uh, uh, seemed like it was another San Francisco area team. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, I remember I, for a while I had the old program. I'd, I had my dad bombing. I couldn't find that. Oh. About a year ago, I thought I'd never get to that.
0: <laughs> You moved to Stillwater, Oklahoma at a young age? Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, actually, my... There and went my junior and senior year of high school, and I was there for like 15 years. And it's you know, it's a college town, Oklahoma State University, and it's you know, it's, it's kind of a cool college town because it's like 70 miles from Tulsa and 70 miles from Oklahoma City, and it's kind of to its own little world. There, you know, it's kind of out on the prairie, rolling prairie, and it's uh, uh you know, the probably the time the college was like probably 25,000 students, and the whole town's maybe 40,000 people, so it's real young. Median age of that whole s- town was was a pretty cool, young you know, place to grow up. And a lot of music. It kind of had its own Stillwater music scene there. And uh, there's, of course, you know, Garth Brooks came out of that Stillwater. And uh, the Tractors, this man called the Tractors, Steve Ripley. And there's even today there's a there's a famous band, All American Rejects. I mean, it it has a rich musical pedigree for being a small place. the Town right next town down the road, Jail, Oklahoma, where Chet Baker's from. So her his daughter used to come to my gigs a lot there. But I mean, so Stillwater's actually a, kind of where I really started learning more and more about music, you know, because you, colleges, you get a lot of people come from a lot of different places and they all bring their record collections in the time and say, hey, you ever heard of this? And that's where people start saying, hey, listen, to this is named Butch Hancock. And there's enough clubs in a college town, you'd hear some touring acts like Butch or you know, Joe Ely, and people pass through. Back of the day. So uh, uh, it was actually a pretty rich heritage. And Stillwater's famous now, even on the Chamber of Commerce <clears throat> brochures. It's called the birthplace of red dirt music, which is a whole genre of music that's kind of Texas based now a little bit, but it's there's just a whole music scene of people like Stony LaRue, Jason Bolin, They they there's a whole, you know, Texas music chart it's all this red dirt. They call it red dirt, red dirt sound. So they they actually acknowledge me and the Guy Bob Childers and some folks. We had an old farmhouse where we kind of started. He's like a little songwriter, more like a Jack Kerouac hippie haven. Not not really a country music thing, but you know, because the, the Red Dirt music now is a little bit more kind of a party music. A lot of it is, and uh, uh, but uh, but they also speaking of the studio here, we do a lot of those records here. Like Jason Boland was just here last week doing his new record. And yeah, I mean, there's some good. I don't mean to say it's all party music, but I mean it. It's it's a you know some drinking and
0: well, a lot of stuff I've read has placed you kind of at the center of the birth of that whole yeah whole thing. Yeah. Do, yeah. You, is, do you do uh, you take credit for some of that or oh yeah? But
1: I'm saying it's just mutated into oh, yeah. something a little more something that not you know is more songwriter based back then not quite as uh, you know the the big thing the red dirt bands do is they just think of steamboat this big thing they do up in Colorado every year now. And it's a, like, I say it's, a, it's a great scene of music. Uh, another Stillwater band or a couple of them kind of were going to, It's cross Canadian ragweed, which became kind of one of the super groups of that genre. You know, they around Texas sell 20,000 people come to their shows, you know, and then, you know, and then that's, that scene kind of got mixed in with the other Texas scene with the people like Pat Green and, you know, so it's, it's, it's a scene to its whole self, but it's uh, it's really, not, I don't consider myself that you know kind of music at all. You know, I'm bored to listen to Towns or Dylan or Woody.
0: Is Leon Russell from somewhere around Stillwater?
1: Yeah, Tulsa. The Tulsa's like, say, just 70 miles away. So that that's the other music, one of the other <clears throat> melting pots that hit into Stillwater. I could hear, you know, J.J. Kell and Leon, that whole shelter Records scene was going on at the time I lived there. So that, that whole music, you know, and Clapton's whole band for, Many years was all Tulsa guy, Dick Sims, Carl Radle, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, it was all Tulsa guys. You know, Jimmy Oldacre, who's visited me here a while back at the studio too, and he's he lives around Austin here now too. But, uh, but yeah, you know, that's the thing about Oklahoma. It's like uh, it's per capita. It, it, there's not that many people in that state, and more people live in Dallas. So, musically, it's given a lot of music to the world. I mean. Everywhere, you know, Jimmy Webb, or, like, say, Woody, Bob, Bob Wills. And then if you get into, like, even commercial country, which I'm not, isn't not in my thing, but you got Toby Keith, or even McIntyre, Vince Gill, half of Brooks and Dunn. I mean, it just goes on. You know, Carrie Underwood. Uh, I mean, it's just millions of records. Half of Nashville are Okies. So it's it's amazing you know, all the music that comes out of there. And, uh, of course, I go to O'Keefe every year where I'm on the board of the Woody... Guthrie Festival, and, uh, and that's a—it's always a good introduction to a lot of Oki because they have a lot of Oki music there. And you see the other side of Oklahoma music that's not the Nashville stuff. You know, you see the real grassroots stuff there.
0: Well, how did your association with Woody Guthrie Festival start?
1: Well, just being from Oklahoma, and I knew some of the Guthrie family there, and uh, we started that festival like 15 years ago, and uh, – you know, even when I was in high school in Stillwater, we'd go down, part of Woody's old house was standing. You can see where hobos and people had passed through O'Keefe and scrawled the names on the wall. And then <clears throat> I can't take credit for these guys kind of from prior Oklahoma started this festival. And it kind of grew, you know, it started off almost in one building downtown with maybe 150 people singing Woody songs. Now it's got multiple stages in town and outdoor thing, and but it's still pretty different. I mean, it's just kind of, you go to this little old, oil-filled town that's seen better days because the oil, you know, petered out around there. And it, you just kind of hang out in this hot town in the middle of July at this old old motel there, and we just kind of pick in the park. It's it's to, totally like, you know, you talk to people like Sam Baker or, or Butch Hancock, and they'll go, my favorite festival, you know, and they play all the cool ones, you know. You know, go to see our, you know, strawberry up in the mountains, or, you know, they'll go to Europe, and they go, no, Woody Fest, People are just like, are you, you got to be kidding. It's like, it was 108 degrees. <laughs> but we got to get you there, you know, because you're you a living embodiment of Woody. But, man, he, he, it's 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 the thing, Woody Fest.
0: I love you know? to play it. I I went to the second one, and I uh, mean, my best buddy Todd just went to enjoy it, and, yeah. and it was a really, really good time. Yeah, well, it's grown
1: a lot bigger since the, the second year. I mean. That was
0: the first time I'd ever heard Slade Cleaves, and I'm a huge Slade fan, and yeah. it was a – a really good time i remember we got breakfast somewhere downtown and uh, it was really early real early and uh we walked into this little diner and there was a, a really old african-american man who like what do you want and we're like i don't know maybe omelets or something and he's like all right so he went and cooked us some food and then when it's done we're kind of like well how much do we owe you and he just kind of looked up into the air and he's like i don't know Six bucks.
1: Yeah. yeah, it's a it's it's a little setback in time there. It was it's it's just people, just common everyday salty earth people there's what I like about it. You got some of the Native American little the little reservation housing project there. So you get a little bit of that. And it's just such a cool it's like a big family reunion. And the the thing that makes it really different too is everybody gets in free and everybody plays for free. So you take the whole money vibe out and it's like you wanna come, just come. We'll hang out. It's uh, so uh, I'm looking forward to it again this year. But uh,
0: how many years has it been running? Like 50,
1: it'll be the 16th year coming up. And,
0: uh, and you know,
1: over the years we've had pretty much cream of the crop play it for free. You know, Steve Earle,
0: Billy Bragg, Judy Collins, Billy
1: Bragg, Jackson Brown. I mean, we've just pretty much had everyone, any, probably any songwriter we can name, has played it at least once. You know, everybody from Mary Gauthier to, to Slade. To, but there's two or three of us, we, we insist to, you know, I know even Sam some years has turned out even like big Canadian festivals because in the summer, you know, that's the big Canadian, you know, it's nice weather. He goes, no, i, I got to be at Woody Fest. You know, turn down good money just to play for free. because It's it's that special of a, you know, thing. And they've got a statue of Woody on Main Street now. And, and the town's come full circle. You know, the first few years is a little bit like, you know, Getting to know each other—it's a bunch of hippies invading. What's what's going on? <laughs> Communist, you know. Now it's like, man, it's just like they love. You like, say you can walk to the hardware store. Hey, hey, Jimmy, hey Otis, what's going on? They're just like going home to see your grandma, or grandpa. You know, it's
0: really cool. And you can yeah. go downtown and see uh, in the cement where Woody put his hands yeah, when it was so wet. Little
1: historical tour.
0: Yeah, it's, it's really,
1: really c- c- come a long way. Woody Fest, and you know? so. We definitely got to get you
0: there. You played the Ryman as part of the Ribbon of Highway? Yeah. Is that a, the only time you were – Yeah, it's the only time I ever
1: played the Ryman. It's during the Woody uh, – They were doing a Nashville tribute to Woody thing one year. Of course, this year was a 100th centennial of Woody Guthrie. So I ended up doing a lot of stuff all – Canada to Oregon, all over the place. You know, there's a lot of – And ended up we did the big Granton Alley show at the Kennedy Center with the uh, you – know, like Cooter and Jackson and Donovan. And that was just in October, was kind of the wrap up for the year. And, uh, and that started off in Tulsa where the Woody, the Woody's finally found a home for all of his archives. You know, it's, it's kind of been in New York, but in kind of a, uh, this is an actual brick and mortar museum where they're doing interactive. And, uh, you know, they're gonna have a songwriter residencies. They built a nice amphitheater called the Guthrie Green. And I'm going to go up and be part of the grand opening of that. The museum opens, I think, on April 29th or something this year.
0: They're doing the whole,
1: you know. But they it's totally, all of his original manuscripts and all will be in Tulsa. In the Woody Guthrie Museum. there. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful story, too. This guy, uh George Kaiser, who's a, a billionaire. He's pretty the richest man in Oklahoma. Probably one of the richer men in the whole U.S. I mean, he, he really is into Woody and he just gave him you know bought him the building and, and purchased the archives for you know and brought Woody home or you know for many years the state just would not even acknowledge us from there you know because so that's been part of the battle too for 15 years we I feel like the festivals kind of helped get Woody back home because his, his one sister Mary is still living she's fairly old now but I was glad to finally see that she saw her brother was kind of I don't know if he's or vindicated but it's like he finally you know, Oklahoma Hills is the state's song. You know, they don't try to hide him. And, you know, I mean, he's become a part of the history there. And they realize he's – what they can't do anything about is he's the most famous Oklahoman in the world. They can't do anything about it. You know, even even the, the conservatives there that want to, like, tout, you know, they can't stand him still. They can't do anything about that he's the most famous person. You know, they can try to say it's Toby Keith or Barry Switzer or whatever they want to do. Woody Guthrie, hands down, is famous. So, we came down here to do an all star kind of thing of people doing town songs. I had a lot of people, because I remember I was at a session where the, Doug Somm and Texas Tornadoes were doing a towns tune for this compilation, and somewhere along the line, I guess it never got released, but I was going to also. Get to sing a song, since I was kind of label mate with him at the time, uh, but uh, so yeah, I ended up I had a few times that we got to hang out. And last time I ever saw Towns was backstage at the Cactus Cafe and the late great Cactus Cafe, and he was a little bit drunk, you know, and uh, just, uh, he was on some jag about Tennessee. And then all, all I remember about the. That night was he kept calling me the Tennessean. He got on this, I don't, I have nothing to do with Tennessee, but he kept calling me the Tennessean. I don't know.
0: Was he being he's, a jerk or was he? I, no, he's just kind of being funny. But he could get
1: really, he could turn on you like that, though, be a, be a jerk. And uh, Yeah. And I think I hung one night with him uh, somewhere after a gig I'd done at this old place called Chicago House. It was him and Blaze Foley were hanging somewhere. Well, maybe he's over at the Austin house or somewhere, but but uh, and I occasionally run into his son JT, and you know we're we're good friends. He's a great guy, and I do I do like most songwriters, I do a couple of town songs. I've got we're doing Stone on Raton a lot this year because I had a really bad car wreck on April fifteenth of this year, and uh, so I like that line about uh, I'm just thankful this road's a friend of mine because you know it. Uh, <laughs> It almost killed me. The road did, but I guess it's friendly enough to keep me alive. Another, yeah. I actually ran into Blaze more than Towns because he was just always out and about. Back in the day, there's this guy here, and he's still around. His name was uh, Hank Sinatra, and he taped kind of ahead of his time on taping little music shows, you know, for Access TV and way before you can do. You know, we all can do it now. But he had some pretty cool cameras, and they still show him every now and then on the the Austin channels here. But, uh, but Blaze actually, I think for a while, taped the show. Turns out it's right across the street from where I live now, on Gibson Street. But he, uh, I used to hang out there a lot with him and Blaze, and Blaze would do the show. And then, the Chicago house where I hosted open mics when I first got to town, it's kind of where I got to know a lot of people. I started hosting these open mics. And, uh, Blaze came in one time, and I just remember a big, got in a big row with Peg Miller, the, and she physically kind of threw him out. The blaze was a pretty big man, but Peg's a pretty good-sized <laughs> woman, and she threw him out on his ass out the front door and told him to get the hell out. But he placed a place to get pretty onry with it. You know, you know Gurf can give you the whole blaze. <laughs> We're at Cedar Creek Recording in South Austin, Texas. It's, a, it's been here since the '70s. This studio, it's you know, a lot of records cut here. Lonnie Mack and Stevie Ray, and just on and on. Jerry, all, Jerry Jeff Walker, you know James McMurtry. Dixie Chicks did home here. They're platinum records. So
0: it's been here a long time.
1: It's a beautiful place.
0: Yeah, it's kind of cool here.
1: I like feel like you're in the country, but you're in the middle of the city. <laughs> Good friend of mine, Kelsey Warren. We kind of. We purchased the studio and stuff here, and we have a little record, Music Road Records, with me and Slade Cleves and Sam Baker and Kevin Welch did a record. Malcolm Holcomb, just songwriters. It's more of a collective of artists. It's really not a record label. We don't really have record contracts, at you know, you know, with all the fine print, <laughs> recoupables, and all. It's more like we just try to figure out how to help each other make money together. And the label does, in some ways. You know, front stuff that you have to pay back, like manufacturing costs and stuff. But it's kind of a strength in numbers huh. thing. A little clubhouse here, almost. It's it's working. You know, it's uh, it's kind of a you know the studio kind of helps pay for the label, and the label helps pay for this. It's kind of a you know, synchronicity there, and it's beginning to really uh, take wing. You know, and I know we had lunch before we did this. You know, we were talking about just some of these terrible gigs we get involved. My favorite story of all time: uh, this friend of mine, Doug Floyd, from over here in Wimberley, Texas. He had this gig at a at a uh, all-you-can-eat restaurant. You know, and no one would ever clap at all. You know, <laughs> and uh, he finally thought, I, I got to give up this gig. It's just these people at these long rows of the table just you know shoveling food in their mouths. Just looking at him, kind of looking back now on their plate. So he'd played this really beautiful love song he'd just written for his wife. And he finally heard, you know, one person clapping. And so he thought, that's that's all I need. I finally got someone's ear. And he looks over and it's this big fat guy hitting the bottom of a ketchup bottle. <laughs> 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 oh, man, that's just not. Oh, that's what I would have just. That's a terrible, <laughs> terrible feeling. Oh, That's lonesome. Geez. Yeah, lonesome. <laughs> <laughs> what's,
0: what's the thing? Uh, there's another friend of mine here,
1: Gary Primich. He's late, great Gary Primich. He he had a gig somewhere down in Beaumont, Texas, somewhere where it's this really little joint where, you know, it just, you know, wouldn't even – just he was kind of a blues harp guy, so it was a pretty – juke joint place out in the swamp there or something. And he uh, he said, you know, he kind of played blues, but the crowd didn't quite get it. And he did a lot of original blues stuff. I think he even had an endorsement with Honer, you know, because he's really a really good harmonica virtuoso. And uh, he went on break, and, of course, it's all those guys that came over, and this guy just kept bugging him like, now, come on, Gary. I know you know some Stevie Ray, you know, or some Skinnered. You you're playing that kind of blues, but I don't quite know the tunes. You know, well, I don't know. can you play some Stevie Ray? And Gary's this real sweet guy. And he goes, You know, I love Stevie Ray. I'm from Austin. I, I like Skinner. I I I but you know, he goes, you know, I'm my name's Gary Premich. I'm on Alligator Records. I, I have a couple of my own records. I write original music. And Gary makes it he goes, You see, I have this philosophy. And this guy looks at him like, philosophy. He goes, Hell, we ain't no Beethovens around here. <laughs> you know, the word symphony confused. You know, Gary's like, I got this philosophy. Hell, philosophy. We ain't no Beethovens around here. <laughs> oh, man, I can't imagine. I think I'd just give up. Like, oh. <laughs> Gary said the accents are so bad in that bar that somebody kept yelling out paint fluid. He goes, What? And he asked the guy, why do you keep yelling paint fluid? And the guy was trying to say, Pink Floyd. <laughs> Pink Floyd! Paint fluid! <laughs> what a, what a, you know. But I'll, no matter what my worst stories are, I always have people like that can tell me the ones that just trump mine. So it's like, I don't, think you know, ever had just a guy beat a ketchup bottle. That's a terrible <laughs> feeling. Yeah. here comes the train see
0: yeah we'll wait that train out I love the
1: sound of trains
0: Jimmy I appreciate you uh, taking the time and inviting me here into the studio and uh, chatting with me
1: yeah I'm glad to be part of your Experiment here on the podcast. I'm in good mm-hmm. company with some of the people you've told me you've been talking to, Barry Gaucher and Ray Wiley and uh, oh. uh, you know.
0: At least people can listen to, to you guys and don't have to put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody for listening in and I'd like to thank Jimmy for sitting down and having this conversation with me. And you can find out everything you need to know about Jimmy at JimmyLeFave.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to OtisGibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any album I've ever made. You can buy one of my fine art photographic prints. It would look great somewhere in your home or in your office. You can buy one of Amy's records. You can even buy Amy's children's book. But anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. If you'd like to help out, but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Just click five stars. It'll take you just a few seconds. Or you can just write out one sentence about what you like about the show and leave a comment. It really helps us move up in the search rankings and it helps a lot more people find out about this show. But if you enjoy this show... Or you enjoy my music. We enjoy Amy's music. Please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message we'd love to hear from you, just send us an email at info@ at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.